Hello, welcome to another edition of the Cheese Me's Cancelled. My name is Trace. And I'm Leo. And today we have a very special guest on the podcast. We have Berna coming all the way from her podcast. Money, please. Money, please. Okay. In today's episode, we will be talking about why Filipinos are frugal flexors. Why we are all angry that we're our parents' retirement plans. And the solution is just to break up with capitalism. By capitalism. All right, here we go. Let's get into all things Filipino and all things money. Let's do it. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Network Asia. So how did, let's just start with who you are and what you do for people listening for the first time. How do you make your money? Right? Oh, that's a very good question. So my name is Berna. Hey, Berna on the internet. Uh, I call myself a financial hype woman, which is made up entirely, which is really <laughs> great. I think that's number one lesson about adulthood is like, you can make the shit up. Yeah. Like, you can no make one knows a lot what you're talking adult. about. Oh, we no all do that. About. You get older and older, you think you know, you never know. And so financial hype woman is my fancy way of saying I'm a financial educator. Slash, I feel like more of like a translator. I take mm-hmm. all all this like finance ease that we all see every day all the time when we're trying to learn how to budget save in debt whatever get out of debt and we're like oh it makes no sense my job is to try to translate it in a way that makes sense specifically for young people specifically specifically for young people of color specifically for young filipinos and filipino americans because that shit is just not hitting us in the way that makes sense to us so that's what i do i make videos i talk and i just i vibe yeah i vibe so how did you Get into that. How do you start doing that? Being a financial hype woman. Oh my god! Like gosh. you major in that? Like what? How do you not do that? Not at all. Absolutely not. I did not major in financial hype at USC. Yeah. Um, it's I, a minor. I, it was like, I did. I did double minor yeah. in that. I was summa cum laude. No, I. Um, that's a fun thing about the fun thing and also the like imposter syndrome thing about all of this is I have I don't have like official financial background at all. Um, I grew up wanting to be a writer. I wanted to be a magazine writer back when like magazines were a thing. And then I like got into PR. I did like. I was working in tech, I worked at Instagram, I worked at Seventeen Magazine, um, and I got into this because I just like, I started to teach myself, literally from like the University of Google's, how to get out of debt. So probably like three or four years after I got out of college, I found myself, I was in New York City, I found myself in $50,000 of debt. So it was like yeah. 38K from student loans and then 12K in credit card loan, credit card debt. Um, because I was broke and kind of dumb in New York City <laughs> and loving it. And I was like, okay, um, if I tried to get out of debt, like if I wanted to budget, what does it mean? I did like I did what everybody does. You get on the Googles and you're like, what is budget? How do debt? What? And everything I learned from the internet, it was like all all the educators, all the authors, all the podcasters, everything. Hella male, hella pale, hella stale. It was just like... <laughs> 17 versions of Dave Ramsey and Warren Buffett and whoever the hell else. Like, it's just all these older white dudes being like, here's what you need to do with your money. And you're dumb if you do this. And there was not an ounce of melanin, first of all. Mm -hmm. And there was not an ounce of personality and nothing relatable. And so I started to share my budgeting journey and my like journey to get out of debt on the internets. And people liked it. And yeah, it's been maybe like three or four years of doing that now. And that's how I got here. Amazing. How long did it take you to get debt free once you started to commit to it? Yes, it took about two years for me. Um, and I always like to be very transparent in the beginning. Like the number one way to get out of debt is to earn more money. It's mm. not it's not cutting corners. It's not a matter of tips and tricks that you don't know. Capitalism responds to money. Like debt mm. responds to money. You need to get paid much more than what you need to survive every month in order to attack your debt. So I got a higher paid job and that's what really honestly like amplified my debt payoff journey. And then after that, it's there's tips and tricks and ways to make the journey faster, go like smoother, be smarter, whatever. Um, But off the top, whenever I'm talking about financial education, 
it's not a lot of the time. It's not a matter of like tips and tricks you don't know. For like, I would say 95% of people who want financial education, you're probably underpaid and you need to get more money. More money does fix your financial problems. More money does buy happiness. We can get into that. Because <laughs> I have a lot to say about that. Yeah. Okay. So when you say that like more, you need to just make more money. Do you talk about when you walk people through this process, do you walk them through the process of how to make more money or is this what you do when you make the money? Uh, I do. A, it's That's sort of one of the offshoots. Like I have things to say definitely about how to make more money, how to get paid more because that's its own whole like educational like hallway there are ways that you can try to get a raise where you are to like job hop to side hustle and all those things those are, those are incredibly important mostly though like for example i just finished writing a book for harper collins which is exciting it's coming out next may um that really focuses on what to do when you do have financial flow like when you do have cash flow uh it's like that okay i am making money i seem to be surviving but it's a freaking mess and every other friday my money just sort of like flies out of my wallet so how do i manage it now that i'm making it is like where I often focus. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so why did you think, why was it super important to bring in more melanin to the conversation? Oh. Which seems, you know, like overall, like this whole podcast is about like why we need more Philippine representation, but what yes. is it specifically about finances that requires like having not being male, stale, and frail? What was Hail. it? <laughs> frail. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> though. In terms of personality, when I start to, when I point out the hella male paleness to the hella male pale financial educators, they get very emotionally frail about I would imagine, it. Yeah. I would imagine. They get very like, well, why does it matter? And money is, I'm like, you need to shut the fuck up. And <laughs> it's exactly, the, the, my answer to the question is, money is so personal. Money is one of the few things, except like maybe love sometimes, that everybody can relate to on the planet. Like there's mm -hmm. not, and a, a young adult, a growing adult in this world who has not touched money, who has not worried about money. And the more I talked about money, the more I found we have so many of the same financial burdens and worries and traumas and like insecurities. But it's it's like it's less OK to talk about than sex. Like mm. now the conversation about sex, periods, things like that, it's a little more open. Money is still that like final frontier of taboo, mm. which is so wild because we all touch it. We all deal with it and we all have trauma and questions around it. And so I found it really important, um, one, to be talking about more. And two, the one thing that wasn't being talked about was that personal aspect and the cultural aspect. The way that money flows to somebody like like people like us flows very differently to the Warren Buffetts and the Dave Ramseys or even the like average mediocre white guy of the world. Money flows differently to them than it does to us. And so we need to bring that into the conversation. There is this, I think it's like 2018 University of Cambridge study where a bunch of behavioral scientists found out that we solidify our financial habits between the ages of seven and 12. Seven huh. and 12. And like, I feel like it is not very likely, especially in the average Filipino household, that anyone's like giving you budgeting flashcards from the ages of seven and 12. And so what's happening then is you're picking up on financial like know-how emotionally. You're reading your parents, you're reading your caretakers, you're seeing what money is like in your home. And for a lot of us, it's traumatic. It's scary. It's like tense. It's like, it's so, so much. And so by the time you get to like, what, 16, 18, you're dealing with your own money. It's not a clean slate. Right. You're already coming to it with trauma and we, we treat it with trauma. So, so much to unpack. Huh. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yes. I, I mean, not I'm thinking back to it too, the way that I spend money is definitely... Yes. The exact same mindset I had when I was seven, which mm. is don't spend it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Tension and in like craziness. This um, I worked very closely with my friend who is a licensed therapist. We did a workshop on like financial trauma last year. And she always asks people, and I love to like try to introduce this when I'm talking to people. When we talk about money, you think about money, especially if you think about debt or the things that stress you out. 
where do you feel it in your body? Like, do you feel tension in your jaw? People feel tension in their chest and their shoulders. And that points very much to like the trauma or the sort of like backwards lessons you learned when you were younger. A lot of the times it's like one or the other. A lot of us learned like, uh, don't spend any money because it's fear-based and it's scarcity-based. You don't know how much money you're going to get. Um, and so people are like going to hold on to it really tightly. Or from that lesson, they might have learned like, be scared about your money. So when you get it, you might never get it again. So spend as much as you can and like go wild and like, don't like forget the basic stuff, like show everyone how much money you got. It's like so intensely emotional and so different for everybody. Yeah. Oof. Okay. I, mean, yeah. I have so many questions. Okay. So there's, it's interesting because when you talk about like people don't want to discuss money because there's this inherent, like wanting to guard how much you make yes. because either you're making less than other people mm -hmm. or you're making more right and so yes. you're scared to disclose that because you don't want to like talk about it but i think one thing that i've kind of realized recently is that at some point you will make money right mm -hmm. like there will be some point where you come out in the green yes and so everyone is in the red at some point and everyone is in the green at another point mm -hmm. and so there's these almost shame conversations of how to get out of the red mm -hmm. and then there's the conversations of what to do when you're in the green mm -hmm. and it's very interesting because tw the 20s are like your formative years when like you are switching from that point right yes, but much. also you need to play your cards right when you do get in the green but i'm just not in i have no idea where to turn for it yes. so how do you deal with that shift from like mm -hmm. when you are trying to break even to playing your cards right when you're above even yes oh my gosh so when you say playing your cards right i think that's exactly right because it's like if if we earned money based on our like morals or our personality it'd be totally different i think a lot of the shame comes from especially sort of like higher pay lower pay shame comes from this idea that we're taught that how much money you make or have has any kind of is like connected to your personality or is connected to yourself as a person like mm -hmm. our financial worth and our like personal worth are so interconnected. And that's really fucked up when you think about mm -hmm. it, because like you said, how do you play the cards to get the right money? That's exactly what it is. To earn more money, you have to play a certain game, game being capitalism, and it goes by certain rules. And some some people are better at those rules. Some people, the rules are like fucked in their favor. Some people like the rules were never meant to work for you in the first place. So like in order to like win at this game, you have to play according to these rules and not everyone has the same access to this game. So it makes me crazy, but like our shame is so attached to how much money we make, even though the cards are stacked against us to win that game, if that makes sense. Wow. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like it's just, but, but we're taught from such a young age, when you make a lot of money, that somehow makes you a good person or makes you cool or makes you admirable. When you don't make a lot of money or you don't have a lot of money, it somehow makes you dumb or right. ignorant or a bad person. And none of like, now we know, I feel like it's a little more transparent with people who are rich and in the 1%, those are not the best people in the world. They don't have the best moral compass. And so that's, for me, step one is like trying to separate the shame and the like negative feelings we attach to how much money we make. Um, and then to answer your question, when you're sort of in the in that middle game of like, I'm trying to figure out how to get out of the red, I'm starting to make the green. It's like, we have to be very gentle with ourselves when we start to understand what the rules are to capitalism. Because to like get in the green, it's not easy and it's not always like, it doesn't always feel good. Like yeah. in order to make more money, you have to like, it, it feels like you have to sell out to a certain degree mm -hmm. or you have to take this sellout job because you know what like makes more money than this job that actually makes you feel good. One of my really good friends always tells me like, we are all compromised under capitalism. There's no like clean way 
necessarily to make more money. Anytime you're making more money, you are taking advantage of somebody and that's not your fault. That's the way this shit was built. Mm. And so in order to get into that green, we all have to feel a little bit morally compromised. And that's like the fuckery of it. Like that's what's so difficult. And so I guess one of my pieces of advice would be like, be gentle with yourself because you're working inside of a system where the rules were not made for you. And in order to succeed at those rules, you have to like, we have to like really fuck with your mental. Yeah. Uh, And so it's, yeah, it's not as clean as like make more money, be happy forever. I think one of the things that like parents often give us in terms of like pressure or Mm. trauma, you know, has to do with careers and that's all linked to money. And like a lot of the topics that we have that we talk about in terms of representation Mm -hmm. is like, we never see ourselves or like, I was not supported to become a filmmaker. I was supported to be a doctor. And like all those conversations are kind of linked to that, like survival um, for financial reasons. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lot of, a lot of what I get from you is you deliver you know, money or finance information in a very like digestible way. I remember like one of your videos that I saw, I was like, oh my gosh, you're, I don't even know how to explain it. Like you're so hyped in the way that that you explain all these things. And like, that's kind of the way that we also approach entertainment, like dissecting it in ways that people understand. Um, But I, I think one of the things that I took away from this is to improve your financial situation. And we kind of talked about this in terms of like when we were talking about good eating habits, mm-hmm. it's not like cut out the fat, yes. cut out the bad foods. It very much so was like add more greens, mm-hmm. add this into your diet. And um, one of the things that I get from you is like in improving your financial situation, it's like empowering yourself to understand the worth that you have and really ask for that worth in terms of salary, in terms of payment, yes. et cetera. And it's such a, it's such a cool way to look at it instead of like, you need to be saving more. Like mm-hmm. you need to like cut back on your spend. You're like, yes. don't buy that thing. Exactly. Um, and, I, and I love the like money is so personal and we should be happy to spend our money the yes. way we want to. You should be hyped to spend your money. Like a lot of the things, one of my favorite financial topics ever of all time is budgeting, which is so sad because the word is so ugly mm-hmm. and like sounds like a fart. <laughs> like budgeting is just, I get, it, there are so many footnotes in my book where I'm like, I didn't fucking name this. Thing. Don't blame me. It is so like 401k, who named this shit? Yeah. They needed melanin years ago to figure this out and make it more fun. Somebody named it budgeting and here we are. But budgeting is my absolute favorite thing to do because uh, I love to talk about it because I like to take it from this topic that feels so like, just, you know, like budgeting feels so like grumpy and sad and diet and like mm. no and restriction. To me, a budget is a plan for things that like, it's, it's a say yes plan. Mm. It's a plan so that you organize your money so you know what you can say yes to. You organize your money so that you know what you want to be saying financially yes to. So you can minimize the things that you don't really care about or are more just sort of like survival based. Right. Like ideally it's like, like I would never be like, if you are a sneakerhead, I would never be like, oh, spend less money on sneakers mm. and spend more money on like your 401k. I want you to get to a financial place where like you are spending as much money as you joyfully want on sneakers because that gives you joy. And like in this, again, shitty capitalist hellscape, the only thing we can do, the best we can do is make our money make us happy because everything else is fucked about it. Like everything else is messy and gross. Mm. So I want, I would want this person to have like the biggest possible sneakerhead budget that they can while also being able to take care of their survivals and their basics and their future goals. Like I want it to be, yes, happy, fun. I can, I get to, I'm allowed to. Like that's what money should should right. feel like. Yeah, I remember when when I was budgeting before and it'd be like, cut out money for coffee or going to Starbucks. Oh and I was God. like, honestly... <laughs> Starbucks. Tomato, tomato, tomato <laughs> at that advice so much. That is the the cheapest $5 happiness that yes. I could get, you know? So it's exactly. like, that's what's going to like make my day productive, you know? Exactly. And it's great. Exactly. Um, I think 
But also that being said, like budgeting is a lot more fun when you're in the green oh, and you're yes. not in the red. Like before Very I used to have that sure. fear of like, I was too scared to open my credit card Ooh, statement yes. because it's like, I don't even want to know how much I made. Like I'm exactly. going to be fine, but I don't even want to know how much I spent. Yeah, exactly. But now that I, you know, like I'm closer on that side of being in the green, which even me saying that feels like I'm, you know, Am bragging. I allowed? Okay? Am I allowed to say that? Yes. But it's like, no, like everyone at some point, we will get to that point. Right. So yes, all that so. being said, budgeting is a lot more fun when I know oh I'm gosh. not like, I'm, I'm not like cutting meals to make my $5 Starbucks happen. Yes, you know? absolutely. And it's... I guess another question I have is yeah. a lot of the rules that like our family and our parents would tell us like the safe thing to do, like, I guess this is more nitty gritty, like 401ks mm-hmm. or like, don't play the stock market unless you really know, like mm-hmm. do a lot of those rules of what our parents or other older generations would tell us to do as the safe thing to do. Is that still the same? Like, should we, how much should we take with a grain of salt with the rules that our parents will tell us? Ooh, good question. I would say some of it applies and some of it does not. I think what's so true for younger generations, what's happening with money now is there are so many avenues that we can use to do things like invest. Some of them are a little like too spicy and like kind of crazy. And we got to watch it. But some of them have really opened up investing in general. Like I feel like budgeting, saving and debt, there are a lot of rules that still apply for like in terms of like, okay, you're going to want to cover your survival first and then figure out your budget so that you can like move on to the happy and the yes stuff. When I think about investing, that's when I'm like, oh, the game has really changed mm-hmm. and the advice has really changed. Um, like we were talking a little bit uh, before in with me and Leo with the um, the table takes of like a lot of Filipinos, Filipino Americans, our older generations were terrified to invest or to learn how to invest, not because they're stupid, not because they don't want to plan for their future, but because there are so many reasons why there's sort of that stereotype of like Filipinos don't invest or like older generations don't invest. There's so many reasons to that. Like older generations had their wealth really, really fucked with in like in in history in World War II. There's so much behind that. Mm-hmm. So they don't trust financial institutions. And also before the barrier to entry to like invest your money, say as like a Filipino immigrant was so high. I cannot imagine my mom rolling into Chase Bank when she immigrated here being like, I would like to open up a 401k. There's so many reasons that she would feel intimidated in that situation, feel unseen, probably treated like shit. Um, and so that like that physical, like emotional barrier to entry to investing was so high. We have to like show up and like play the Warren Buffett, you know, like code switch in that way. Mm. Now we can open up apps. We can just like, all you really need is an internet connection to start investing. You can open up a 401k through your phone and never talk to a white man. It's amazing. Like <laughs> you can do all these things. You can like play, play with these apps that gamify investing for you and teach you. And so I think that's what's so wonderful. I would I would say to be cautious to any older generation that's telling you, like making you nervous about investing and making you feel like, oh, it's a big, inv- you need a hell of money to invest. You shouldn't start now. You should be like, there is definitely some caution you can take when you are investing, but there, there's so many ways you can play with investing now and get started now. And of course, if there are young folks watching, the number one thing you have more than these old white guys is time. That's something that these old old white guys cannot buy is the fact that you are young and investing is working in your favor because you're young. So get started as soon as possible. Use the gamey ass apps. That's what gets you into it. Don't get crazy and buy a bunch of GameStop for no reason. Like I, that's oops, where I'm like, oops, we need oops. to pump the brakes. <laughs> we can talk more about it, but like there's so much more fun to be had now. Amazing. He's Chico Garcia. And he's Gino Killiamore. We're the hosts of Only Fun. In our podcast, we explore the boundaries of our pleasure. And test the limits of our pain. It's business in the front. And party in the rear? Wait, wait, what? what? Wait, we, we talk about shows that we watch that might, you know, be entertaining for everyone else, right? Yep. 
that's what I said. Check out our podcast. New episodes out Wednesdays and Fridays. <laughs> no drama, only fun. The second segment, we read the hate comments of what we get on some of our um, our videos. Oh, but because you actually just filmed it, yeah. I think it'd be fun to let's read some of the comments that you read and let's go some, through some of the yeah, hate let, comments let's talk that it you out. typically get. That's and we'll go so through the the the. the uh, this is the cheese meats. This is where we get to like gossip about the uh, possibly incorrect arguments we get back from these. Goody, goody, goody. Now I feel bad during the video, during the filming, I like ripped some of them and threw them no. on the ground. Oh no, as you should. As you should. Okay, good, good, good. Beautiful, beautiful. Like, I'll, still, I'll still access that. I'll still okay, so I'll, I'll read this one. Yeah. Filipinos don't save for retirement. They just have kids and bet on them to take care of them when they're old. Like raise your hand if you feel like your, your parents' financial retirement plan. Like- oh. Very much. That's so. I mean, so common. USC, like that was yeah. like that was an investment. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> right on. hundred percent. My parents were like, "Okay, so we help, we we figure this out with you. You are gonna give us private jets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, we're gonna have tro- yeah. the Trojan wealth will be mine yes. one day. Yeah, yeah. Like, we get the trust yeah. that all these like rich bitches get. Um, I think it, that's so like that sort of phrase, that like phrasing, that concept of like your kids are your retirement plan. It used to make me so mad at first. Like I was like, damn, I kind of do feel like I was made and I was pumped with all this like need to achieve, need to be perfect, need to grow, need to make money because my parents like to make up for the fact that my parents didn't plan. I was angry about it at first. And then I was like, well, how could they have gotten to investing in the first place when my, my parents immigrated from the Philippines? How could they have figured out how to go to Fidelity and open up a 401k and like, you know, what it means to like reinvest your dividends. Like, how are they going to figure that shit out when they were already just trying to figure out how to survive, how to assimilate, how to stay safe, how to keep us safe? Like how they have they crossed such a big bridge. Obviously, they didn't have time for this shit. So like I my my anger around that has waned a little bit. I feel a little bit more what I like to call financial empathy about it. Mm, Yeah, I think on my end, like I love that you mentioned that you've kind of evolved from having this like deep anger into this like empathy because i feel like at least a lot of our followers like uh, when we ask on instagram story there's a lot of anger and i have even some close friends who would say like you know i wish my parents had taught me this i wish i didn't have to struggle in this way because nobody talked about finance growing up and then when you were mentioning in terms of like the immigrant experience of having to enter into these foreign institutions like even myself like sometimes i'll go to a chase bank and make sure that i look presentable that way i'm taken serious Mm -hmm. and like i cannot even imagine like having to be like my dad and go into a chase bank not having strong english and not even knowing what to ask for yeah and i yeah i can really see and appreciate like what my parents had to go through and and you know it kind of helps inform the ways that they have you know raised us and the way they navigate those conversations like it was that same thing like oh please be a doctor please be a lawyer Mm -hmm. like you're not going to make any money filmmaking and it's Mm -hmm. like yeah just understanding that in context and then moving from that yes and it takes a while to get that context you're not born with that context Mm -hmm. you know there's like that's why i feel so excited when we talk about financial trauma financial emotions because there's so much to unpack just like any other kind of trauma you need to, you get there, you have all these heightened emotions, then you have to turn around and go, oh, here are the ways that actually I learned the wrong lessons or I learned fucked up ways to deal with this. So now I have to take time to unpack it and then I will create my new agenda. I will create my new mindset. That takes time. And so I tell people to like really go slow with yourself. 
Like go gentle with yourself. These are things that are like inherent to us. Again, like between the ages of seven and 12, that mm -hmm. stuff solidifies. So you can't just like listen to a podcast and then be like financially healed and then be ready to like kick it with your parents and set up the 401k. It's going to take some time. And also like it makes me, it also makes me emotional to think of like, like what you just said, like the idea of my mom walking into a chase and feeling any amount of like, a, like insufficient, like feeling mm -hmm, any mm -hmm. amount of like subordinate to these fuckers who work at chase. You know, like it just yeah. makes me so angry. And so that to me fuels like I will help be the barrier that I will, I will be mm -hmm. the bridge so that my mom doesn't have to feel insecure in these situations or feel like out of her element or unsmart when we talk about these things. Like I'm like, oh, no, let me. Let me use these powers. I did go to USC. I went to communication school. Let me use this weapon. The fuck with people for you. That's ugh, going. Yeah, I love that. That's like the burden we carry, like even in terms of what we're trying to do. It's like we're often putting ourselves in like these really nasty conversations that are difficult, mm -hmm. you know, but it's like that's the burden we carry because this work is important. And I think it's it's so cool to hear all the things that you do. Also, you brought up this theory in the video <laughs> that I have never heard about. Yeah. But when you said it, I was like, I understand completely. I could give you my own family example yeah. of this theory. Um, well, you I'll have to explain it, then I can I can okay, give a little bit more. It is deeply unscientific and uh -huh. very much not backed by anything like credible yeah, in, yeah. in the sort of like academic sense. It's more just like what I've gathered from talking to so many people, especially people of color, young people of color. I call it the frugal flex theory. And to me, it answers a little bit about why when we get to adulthood, we get to that sort of like coming out of the red, going into the green. And we're like, why am I so confused about money? Like money is a tool. It's numbers. It works in one way. Why am I so emotionally like in a fucking a blender about it? It is because of this. Um, my frugal flex theory is such that uh, so many of us, especially if you grew up in like in a, a like immigrant family, uh, like POC family. You spent your life on a financial spectrum. One side of the spectrum is being hella frugal, very cheap, very like, now we keep our money tight. The other side of the spectrum is flexing, using your money to show off. Suddenly we're acting rich, very confusing. And literally within a day, your family can show you either frugal or flex at the same time. And so you never really know how to treat money. Mm. Like in one day, you can be like, your mom could ream you for wanting like new Air Jordans or whatever, new something. Oh, like we don't have that money. We got, uh -huh, uh -huh. wait, wait a minute. <laughs> we got, we have rice at home, that whole thing of just like, where do you think that money's going to come from? We don't have money like that. Like you might feel embarrassment because your mom gives you knock off something when you wanted the real thing, whatever. But then you go to a family party that night. And then like, for me, it's like mom wears all of the fancy stuff she has. Mm -hmm. We fight over the bill as if we got money like that. And so you're sitting there like, are we broke or are we rich? Yeah. Are we keeping our money close to us and we feel shame or are we super generous about it and we're happy? And that's just within a day. That could happen within like an hour. And so in our most sort of like like vulnerable years, we're seeing all this ping ponging back and forth with no sort of central grounded like truth about what money means to us. So you get to adulthood and you're like, am I rich or am I poor? Yeah. <laughs> am I happy or am I sad? Oof. Ooh, that yes. was, that's too true. Right? That's, that's I want to hear your, your thoughts about how <laughs> well, that happened in your family. It's just so interesting because I, I, I never thought about it. Yeah. It just was always like, I think we're comfortable. Right. But I'm not sure. And I like, I was relying on people, people's comments, like 
when we grew up, there's four of us. That's a lot of mm-hmm, kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we were all private schooled. Mm-hmm. And so like there was this perception like, oh, you guys are well off if you all can like go to private school and there's mm-hmm. four of you and all of these things. And then there's other moments like we did not even get internet till like I was maybe in like high school. Uh-huh. I was like, why does everyone have internet? They have YouTube and, and we don't. Right, right. And like everyone had all these like nice things and like we had to wait. And my mom was always waiting for those discounts uh-huh. or like uh-huh. only shop on the base because if you're a military kid, there's no taxes. Oh, and so I it's like, wait till it gets to the base. Yes. Gotcha. Like what, you can buy it. You can buy it over there or like mm-hmm. whatever. And so there was all these like limits, but then it yes. felt like, but we're comfortable. It's the same thing. Like she'll fight, like make sure you don't let them pay mm-hmm. ever, never right, let them pay. Yeah, exactly. And so there was that confusing thing, but we never really talked about money, but I always saw like my parents stressing about money mm-hmm. and, and all of these things. So, um, yeah, I, I've never heard that from anyone else or like put it into some type of theory for us to talk about. And I've, I found it interesting. Yes, of course. And it's so much like it points to how much we had to fill in the blanks for ourselves because it's not like our parents are sitting us down and being like, so here's our financial situation. Here's where we stand. Here's mm-hmm. what's okay. Here's what's not. Here's how we feel about money. Here's money as a tool. Like we're not having these conversations, but as you know, young people and kids were very, we're observant and we absorb. And so everything where you're like, okay, are we rich? Are we poor? Is it okay to have money? Is it not? I don't know. We are filling in the blanks with our own sort of broken backward translation about money. And then you get to adulthood and you're like, huh, so I do get a regular paycheck now. Why do I feel such fear every time I get this paycheck? Mm -hmm. Oh, is it because I had to like fill in the blanks for myself growing up? I saw like I absorbed the stress for my parents every time they got a paycheck. Like it works exactly the same as like relationship trauma. You know, people say like, it's a whole thing about like, if you're like a cis hetero woman, you're going to go out and find someone who's like your dad or whatever, mm-hmm. like, or you're going to keep repeating the same relationship cycles that you saw in your childhood until you like pay hella money for therapy and like fix it. It's the same thing with financial trauma. Wow. The things that we saw our parents do, the things that we saw our family and caretakers do with money, the way that they tra- treated money will translate almost directly into the way that you treat money. Mm-hmm. Either you copied it exactly or you saw what it did to your family. And you're like, I'm going to do the exact opposite. Fuck that. And go to the other side of the spectrum. Mm. Notice like none of that is grounded. None of that is actually like, how do I really feel about money? How does money really make me feel? What can I really use it for? We have to guess at all this shit. And like, they, it's almost like giving ourselves therapy, which never works. Yeah. Which is crazy. Wow. Moral story. Break up with capitalism. Break That's what up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. TLDR, it's not you. It's capitalism. Okay? Yeah. It's never your fault. It's never us. It's never us. We're perfect. Capitalism sucks. Do you want to migrate overseas? The Greener Side is here to help. Join me, Kring Lakson, as we talk about student and work visa requirements in various countries, as well as cultural adjustments that you'll have to make. Together, we'll make your overseas move easier and less overwhelming. The Greener Side Podcast. Listen and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So before we end every episode, we always end with a little medienda, a little media snack of something that we've been watching or listening to that we think that you should also check out or watch or listen to. Um, so actually, you have a podcast or do you have a book? You have something that you do you have a little media you want to you should plug yourself. What is your medienda yes, that everyone should check out? So my medienda. So I did a season of a podcast called Money Please, and it's got all the like basics of we really recorded that. Like if you have never approached the subject of money ever, ever budgeting, saving debt, investing for the very first time. Those are fantastic little episodes to to snack on. Um, I'm also, I just 
finished writing a book, um, which is going to come out next May. Very, very exciting. It's specifically, it's like a how to money book for, I say the young and the young at wallet, because like, no matter what age you're at, you were probably failed by the financial education system. So I have people in my DMS who are way, way older than me asking the same questions that 16 year olds are asking me. Mm. And so that book is coming out next May. I'm super excited about that. And I, I mean, the next few months are going to be me. I was in this book cave. I call it for like the last year and a half, just like being an inside cat and writing and not making videos. Well, if there's any time to be a book cave, I mean, in, I, now the last exactly. few years are like you timed it well. <laughs> it literally, I was like, Oh, everything's still on fire. Yeah. Great. I'm going to go write this <laughs> yeah. book and yeah. ignore everybody. But now that my book cave is over, I really feel like the next few months of my life, I'm going to be very unhinged on the internet, just deeply unhinged. Beautiful. With the, the finance. I'll be retweeting. Yeah, I will be retweeting. So come find me for sure at Hey Perna, because uh, I'm just going to be, I'm gonna, uh, it's going to be messy. Amazing. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Well, my medienda is the movie I talked about earlier called Everything Everywhere All at Once. I had to look up the title because I can't, I can never remember what it is, but it actually is pretty relevant to this because the movie starts with uh, the main character, Michelle Yeoh, um, being really stressed about um, a IRS audit and like running a business and not knowing how to like talk to the IRS agent. It's the exact same thing where like they get into a fight with the daughter at the, at the with their daughter at the very beginning, and because she they get into a fight, she doesn't come with them to translate to the IRS agent. Oh my god! Played oh. by um, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Wow! <laughs> and, and it actually takes just a very crazy left turn. We're actually being like a sci-fi, um, like a kung fu movie. It's very crazy, but it actually was beautiful. It was well shot, but it actually at its core is a family drama all about financial dependency. <laughs> so. Wow. It's actually, it's a great film and perfect for this episode, actually. Yeah. But definitely go watch it. It's in, in theaters now. Oh, market research. Yes. I, I get to <laughs> yes. expense it to my business. Thank you very much. Nice. <laughs> yes. So I, I remember, like, I knew nothing about money. And I was just at Barnes & Noble. And this book just caught my eye for some reason. I, I think it's because, like, it had wording that made sense to myself as a millennial. But my medienda is Broke Millennial, Stop Scraping By and Get Your Financial Life Together by Erin Lowry. And I remember <gasps> this. I know her. That's me too. Crazy. Wait, I was going to say. Her daughter went to USC, was in my year at USC. That's very crazy. Oh, okay, see, it's all happening. I can do That's crazy. Keep yes. going. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that happened with us too. Yeah. We were like, exactly. <laughs> Which is like a biggest Trojans. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah th this was like for me, my financial awakening where I became obsessed with everything finance. And it's, it's so weird because like I had to go through all of these different like points where I'm listening to people who don't look like me, who don't sound like me and like don't have those same experiences. Like I have listened to like Dave Ramsey or like all these different things. Yeah. Um, but this this was the first book that I felt like was so simplified, but so useful. Um, and it really allowed me to have the starting point. And I remember I like, after I had finished the book, I kind of just like slipped it next to my younger sister's bed and I let her read it. That that for me was like the first first book of like understanding finance that met me where I was at. Oh, that makes me so happy because Aaron Lowry is my homie. Oh, nice. Like, yeah, the personal finance industry, especially when you're a woman, is very, very, very small. And she's incredible. She actually has written three books now. One about... I have the second one. Okay, investment. about investing. Yes. And then her third one, which I think came out recently, is about like talking about money and relationships. Like mm. literally scripts to talk to your partner about money, to talk to... Now I'm your hype woman, Aaron. Get with it. Um, how to talk to your partner about money, how to talk to your like your coworkers, how to talk to your boss and get like a, a raise. Like Aaron, mm. and also like... Like with any industry, who you see and like who actually is cool might be two very different things, right? Like there are people in the personal finance industry who are like yeah. behind the scenes. Um, but Erin Lowry is a homie. She really gets it. She's super, she's super cool, super grounded. I love you, Erin. Oh. I'm your hype woman. <laughs> she's the best. We'll Highly recommend. We'll, we'll tag it. We'll tag in the stories. <laughs> yes. So I'm going to text her after this and be like, Beautiful. Yes, 
<laughs> and tell her I went to college with Caitlin. Yes. Oh, okay. She'll be super, super psyched to hear that. Yeah. Amazing. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of the Cheese Mies Canceled. Make sure to follow every single Friday on Spotify. If you're listening on any other podcast app, you are just listening to us. But if you're on Spotify, you get to watch this whole thing happen. So make sure to ch- check back next Friday for another episode. Thank you so much for Berna for coming to today's episode and being a guest. Um, all of her links to follow her are all in the description here. So um, thanks so much for coming. We'll see you all next Friday. Yes, thank you so much for having me, all. This has been a dream. I sort of feel like I'm going to black out after this <laughs> and like just pretend it didn't happen. Us too. Uh, yeah, us too. Thank you. <laughs> we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.